0: Let's all go to the movies,
1: let's all go to the The movies, let's all go to the The movies to get ourselves a treat, delicious things
0: to eat, the popcorn
1: The mouse power with the blindfold on. Mom always asking where did I go wrong? What's up, Danger? What's up, Danger? I see this this spark with you. It's amazing. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Our family doesn't run from things. You're the best of all of us, Miles. You're on your way. When do I know I'm Spider-Man? You won't. That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. What's up, Danger? What's uh, up, Danger? Welcome to Let's All Go to the Marvels, our premiere episode all about Into the Spider-Verse. I am uh, the uncanny Doug Leaf, uh, and with me is...
0: Hello, hello. I am Jordan T. Maxwell, and the T stands for Truest Believer,
1: so it's good to be here. Thanks for having me, <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for doing this, buddy. I, I uh, I'm super excited to start this podcast with you, uh, talking about a super geeky thing that we both love, which is um, cinematic adaptations of Marvel movies, and uh, that's what we'll be doing. Maybe we'll expand out to do things like you know we'll cover Loki or something if there's time, but uh, we already got a lot on our plates. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Once, um, once we get
0: through all the movies, <laughs> then we can move on to. And then once we get through the shows we can move on to the cartoons. And once we get done with the cartoons, we can and then our brains will just explode and the earth will sink into the sun and a whole new multiverse will start.
1: That's right. And on April Fools we'll do a, a DC movie. <laughs> just for the fuck of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, just if we want to feel bad. No, um so let's uh let's sort of talk about Spider Verse and um you know, what's your uh, you're much more plugged into the comic, like actual like um Ink and paper comics than I am. I'm much more on the the movie or like video game side, even for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was? Did you did you, were you plugged in? Did you follow like when Miles Morales debuted as a character?
0: Yeah, I actually read his uh, his first appearance uh, in uh, Ultimate Fallout number four. I want to say I'm doing this off memory instead of notes, like a someone who was prepared should do. Um, well, your
1: memory's very good because you are correct. I, I have has, that note in front of me. He, uh,
0: yeah, he pops in at the very end because that was sort of the. Wrap up of the the Peter Parker of the uh, Ultimate Universe um, kind of went out in a blaze of glory, uh, taking down the Ultimate Green Goblin and uh, saving uh, MJ and Aunt May. And uh, at the end of it, you you know, there's all this mourning and all you know the heroes have a memorial and all this stuff. And then at the very end. Like, someone shows up in a Spider-Man costume. You're like, oh my god, he's back. And then he pulls the mask off. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, just on the the drawn page, uh, all we saw was that he's like, oh, he's a a young black kid. Um, And then it was later on when they actually launched the uh, new Ultimate Spider-Man that he was the lead character and that we discovered more about his background and that he was actually biracial uh, and, you know, not only... Uh, a black kid but a young puerto rican kid um and it just kind of it blew the doors off the franchise because at that point in the ultimate comics you know the uh the other books had you know been pretty inconsistent in terms of quality they all kind of hit with a splash and then they kind of go off the rails and then another writer come on and kind of bring it back and then another writer go off but bendis brian michael bendis who co-created miles and launched ultimate spider-man and the whole ultimate line to begin with uh really um he'd been on ultimate spider-man the whole time he was the consistent writer the entire time he was the only writer in the ultimate stable who had stayed on their book for the entire run and uh and thus the book maintained a certain level of quality and continuity across the board and then kind of just decided, you know, hey, let's shake things up. The whole point of The Ultimate Line was we're not beholden to what came before, to decades of continuity and lore. Uh, we can draw from that and reference it in certain ways, but we're not obligated to repeat it. So why not see what happens if someone else is behind the mask? Uh, which is one of the great themes that gets explored in the movie. Um, but... Yeah, so I remember seeing it and I, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, you know, I I'm a spider old school Spider-Man fan from way back. Like I have been reading the comics and even before I read the comics, I remember, you know, the uh the, there used to be this thing, kids, uh in newspapers. Well, first of all, there used to be a thing called newspapers and they had
1: uh,
0: <laughs> yep. they had comic strips in them that were like small little like diced up panels from comic books um and they would be like a whole bunch on a page and Spider-Man was one of the ones in the paper when I was a kid and that was kind of my first exposure to him and so you know Peter Parker is like in my blood from a young age and so there was a certain like apprehension and certainly a mourning even though Peter Parker was still Spider-Man in the main Marvel continuity in the ultimate books they killed him off and he was much much younger uh, than he is in this movie or that he, you know, was in the mainstream comics. You know, he was only a, a teenager himself, uh, you know, maybe 16 or 17 at that point. Um, and to see him killed off, you know, it hit me on a real emotional core. And then almost immediately, like, who's this new kid? What's going on? What's the big, you know, what's his origin? You know, there was so much mystery around him to begin with. Uh, and then... Yeah, Bendis and uh, Sarah Pacelli, who co-created him and was the original artist on the book. Uh, they just took him on for a long time. And he was, you know, of course, there's bound to be, you know, controversy with all that stuff. But uh, a lot of fans really embraced him. And uh, I think, you know, the mainstream kind of embraced him. And a lot, I think a lot of new readers came on. And, you know, that that can happen with any kind of new stunt or new character who gets, you know, introduced. But you've really got to have a compelling character and with an interesting story and a distinct personality to maintain that. And Miles has been around for um, over 10 years a decade now. now uh, at least, but like a decade and a half, 15,
1: 15 years, if I'm doing... I, I saw, I think he... Maybe a little bit. He debuted in 2011.
0: 2011. Okay, yeah. So 10 years. Yeah. So 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. He, and he just made a splash. So much so that when they collapsed the, uh, the ultimate line, because they were like, all right, well, this whole thing has gone off the rails, but the one thing, people love Miles. So when they did the Secret Wars storyline, the, the newer Secret Wars storyline uh, a few years back, Like, he and his kind of supporting cast of characters were the one thing that got really brought over into... Other than the evil Reed Richards who uh, came out in that world. He got brought over, too, because he's a really interesting villain. Uh, But, like, mainstream hero character, give them their own book. Uh, Miles Morales was the kind of one, like, you know, throw the rest of it away, but we need to hold on to this one. Because, like, people love him. And his story... Isn't done being told yet.
1: Yeah, I I came to this through the back door because I, I first heard about Miles Morales when they were talking about rebooting Spider-Man for the MCU, mm-hmm. and there was this there was definitely talk of like, geez, we've been through you know Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, we haven't done Miles Morales yet. Maybe we should do him, and that's not to take anything away from Tom Holland because he's incredible. I think, but um, they they very smartly. I guess we're sidetracking this production. I guess they must have known in their back pocket, we're going to do a Miles thing. Don't worry, he's coming. And in 2018, not only did we get this, we kind of got a... Like, pop culture got a double dose of Miles Morales because they put him into the Insomniac um, Spider-Man video game, which was a monster hit. And his personality, as rendered in that game, is pretty similar to how he is here. Yeah, And so... It's like, you know, the, everything you love about this character is given to you in both of those. And I, I really just immediately like there's so much to like about him, not just from the like inclusiveness standpoint, which, you know, was I guess a flashpoint to a bunch of internet shows going like, well, they're pandering <laughs> by making him a biracial minority and it's like, "Oh, well, I, we can't do something nice for a minority by representing them. Fuck you." Like, you know, they, of course we can have a Spider-Man for everybody. Who cares? Um and I think because of that, like, you know, you Peter Parker or, or Miles Morales, Spider-Man, whoever is behind the mask, I think the engine that drives that is always what an underdog he is. He, mm-hmm. he is. He's not like, you know, Thor, for example, is he's a god. He's he's always eminently competent. You're never worried about his ability to handle a situation. Um, the fun of Spider-Man is that he's always just a little bit out of his depth. Right. And when you make him a kid, you make him, you know, you bring him in as an inexperienced um kid from from Harlem, um you give oh, him that. Brooklyn. You you reignite all of that stuff. Yeah, over oh, Brooklyn. I'm sorry, you're right. Uh Brooklyn, he's uh he lives in Harlem in the game, which is what I remembered. Uh, okay. Um Yeah. Uh so I really just immediately he's so likable. Mm-hmm. He's such a like sweet kid. That you can't help but root for this guy um, in everything he does, especially when I think it's fun that you you do pair him up. He's not like Peter Parker's dead, and now it's Miles Morales. You do get both of them here in the movie and in those games. Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh no, now now Peter Parker is the teacher and Miles is the student, and watching them play off each other is such magic chemistry. It's you know it's everything you love about both characters.
0: Yeah, and the the great thing in the comics that they've really done is. Uh, Once they brought him over, and it was like, okay, we have both uh, Spider-Men in the mainstream 616 Marvel Comics continuity now. And, oh, what are we going to do with that? And, I mean, there'd been, you know, two Hawkeyes for years at that point. Uh, There'd been... You know, plenty of Captain America or Captain's America. I don't know what the plural of that would be, but...
1: William Sapphire would demand Captain's America. There you
0: yeah. go. Uh, and, you know, and a, a few different people had, you know, hefted up Mjolnir at that point, And if not uh, taken on the title of Thor, then at the very least his powers. So it wasn't really that big a deal. And the other thing that has really always, I think, persisted in part of that sort of underdog mentality of Spider-Man... Is the notion of that he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and the fact that you know, right? Yeah, Peter Parker, you know, Peter Peter Parker's from Queens, and you know, kind of tends around that borough. You know, he'll he'll branch out, and he's been an Avenger, and he's you know had global and cosmic adventures and everything. But at the end of the day. He's very much that neighborhood Spider-Man. And Miles is, you know, it's, New York's a big city. They got plenty of boroughs. You know, they could each have their mm-hmm. their own Spider-Man if they needed to. And there's enough, you know, the this movie kind of uh, grasps onto a notion from the comics. You know, the very idea and the very term Spider-Verse uh, was coined in the comics. And that, you know, every reality has their own... Uh, if not a Spider-Man, then some kind of spider. Uh, and in that story, in the comics originally, it's about uh, a family um, of kind of psychic vampires, I guess would be the best way uh, to term them. Uh, the the first one that we meet uh, is named Morlin, who was this new villain who got introduced uh, in J. Michael Straczynski's run. And then we find out he's got a whole family, And that they kind of exist outside of, like, normal time and space. And sort of travel from, you know, they feed on the power of uh, totem heroes. Uh, But spiders in particular, for whatever reason, because they are guardians of... I'm trying to remember. uh, the, The web of... It's either the web of reality or the web of life and death. I know in... One of the cartoons, it gets phrased as one and in the comics, it's the other. But and I can't remember which one is which right now. But uh, they so in the comic book story, they go like from reality to reality and are feasting upon like each world's spider in order to weaken the web and eventually kind of conquer all of reality and become like gods. Uh, and so all of the Spider-Mans and Spider-Women and Spider-Girls and Spider-Boys and Senior Spiders and Aranyas and uh, <laughs> just the Lady Arachnids and uh, the, the number of the wide variation... Uh, and almost all of the characters, at least half of the characters, at least s- spider-wise in this movie, are from that event, or get introduced in that event, or referenced in that event. Like uh, Spider Gwen is from that. Uh, Penny Parker and SBDR are from that. Uh, Spider Man Noir was a pre-existing uh, character, but he did take part in that uh, event. And it's there's something unique about the the spiders. And even within the the mainstream continuity, there are, you know, beyond just Peter and Miles, there are like two or three different spider women there, uh, and people who've worn different monikers, spider girls and uh, tarantulas. And, you know, it's just, it's, there's something iconic about the spider that like, and so why not have two of them? Why not have one in Queens and one in Brooklyn? Why not have one who's on the Avengers and one who's in the Champions? You know, why not have two heroes who embody this iconic spirit of Spider-Man that is essential to both, like you were pointing out, but have them be on these totally two different tracks? Like, they're both geniuses, but in totally different ways. They're both down on their luck, but in totally different ways. And it's, like, really impressive to me that Miles has had already such a storied history in the comics. And it's still going strong. Uh, his, his current comic right now is, is so good. And uh, the writer on that, uh, uh, Saladin Ahmed, is uh, just really impressive. And I've loved everything I've read from him. But he's been just absolutely slaying it with Miles. Um, and I think that there was, you know, kind of a resurgence and a wave that this, when this movie made Miles even more uh, noticeable to the mainstream community, to people who had never read comics or thought, you know, oh, Spider-Man, that's a, you know, boring white guy who, you know, swings around and, you know, what what what, what does he do anyway? And I saw that Tobey Maguire movie, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, then Miles and the movie so fresh and original and just both narratively and visually like it, you can't help but notice it and you can't help but want to see and get to know this character in particular more and he's just you know he's blown up he's on the he's in the comics you know they've got a, a sequel to this in the works he's been in the cartoons he's got he got his own video game they they spun him and he's off in the next into his one own after that game. yeah
1: yeah they they just released the trailer for the I guess it's the third one if you consider his spin-off the second and yeah. the, this, the 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 trail the teaser is Peter Parker and Miles Morales work teaming up they're just taking down muggers and stuff and having a good time together and then Venom shows up to yeah. spice things up. Um I do want to talk about you mentioned something interesting about you know that you can't take your eyes off this. The visuals in this thing mm-hmm. are really unique um, and probably a, a driving force of why it won the Academy Award for Best uh, animated feature that Absolutely. year. Uh, the visual so uh, it's also unique in that it, it's kind of surprising for a medium that is a two-dimensional cartoon mm-hmm. first and foremost that there's so few animated. Comic book movies. I mean, there's been a bunch of direct to video stuff, but really, I can only think of three theatrical releases, which is Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. which is great, it's but didn't do big yeah, numbers. Absolutely. It's it's fantastic. Um, big Hero Six, mm-hmm. which we'll get to at some point, but you'd never even know that was a Marvel movie. Uh, that property is, you know, not a a widely known one. Uh, no, but and for the movie the fact improves that, on the comic you know,
0: like a, a hundredfold. But you know, it, like you said, we'll get yeah. to that in it's, a, in its own time. <laughs>
1: Right. We'll get to it. It is great. And then there's this. (laughs) Um, So the the idea of even doing an animated movie, I mean, they did pick their, you know, one of their most popular franchises, which was smart, um, and a character that's extremely kinetic and looks good in animation. But what they did with the animation by taking a normal CG, it is a, at its core, a CG movie, no different than, say, you know, a Pixar movie. Um, But by doing all of this painted comic book stuff over it, Mm Um, by sort of making it turn back into a comic and then what they do is they they switch off between animating what's called animating on the ones and twos right yeah um animate yeah so to just to explain what that is uh animation or any film that you normally see is 24 frames a second so when you're animating a cartoon on the ones you're you're drawing 24 frames a second so if you're watching the lion king you know that's 24 frames a second. Um, animating on the ones is doing just tw- every other, 12 frames a second. And it creates this interesting kind of jerky motion that looks a little more like stop motion animation. And they they very definitely shift between those in this movie mm-hmm. to kind of throttle that, depending on how they want a particular scene to look. So like the scene when um, Peter and Miles are, or Miles is sort of dragging... Uh, Peter behind the subway right. is very very fluid. That's clearly on on the ones, um, but some often when they're in more you know close quarters, like the the slower, uh, less action packed scenes, they go doing it on the ones, and it adds that like stop motion look, and it's such a cool uh, uh, idea and way to play with the medium. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, it allows them to do stuff, really. I I love 2D animation, and I'm sad that it's mostly gone away, theatrically at least. There's still some on TV and stuff, but there's things you can do in 2D space that you just can't do in 3D space. And I think of like a cartoon I grew up with, uh, like Ren and Stimpy, for Mm -hmm. example. Ren and Stimpy thrives on like just the wild, crazy things you can draw, and if you saw it in three dimensions, it wouldn't work. Like you know, if you see like a three-dimensional like toy of Ren and Stimpy, it doesn't even look like them. Right? Because yeah. it can't do what it. Yeah. And here they, they play with both, whether it's like spider ham, you know, and they're, they're doing his literal cartoon stuff or the anime stuff with Penny, um, by shifting in between those styles, they can get so much mileage out of the medium in a way you could never do in a live action movie. It's, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. One of the things I just, uh, I was, you know, of course in preparation for this, I went back and rewatched it again because I've watched it multiple times at this point. Um, But I wanted to, you know, have it fresh in my mind. And I went ahead and watched uh, some of the special features too. And one thing that I found really interesting, and I think like read to me on a subliminal level, but they never get super explicit with it, is that they were kind of striving to be like, what would it look like to a character living inside of comic book art? That, you know, the fact that, you know, kind of the, the shading is, you know, what gives you some of the depth of field is not... Like the dimension on the face, but it's kind of like a little shadow off to the side, a little shadow self, and you know, kind of the some of the pixelating that happens, uh, not pixelating. They're
1: simulating like, you don't know, no, they're simulating like Kirby crackle, exactly, it, yeah. right? Like things, effects like that that you would see in a paper comic,
0: and yeah. having like you know the the actual the, the thought balloons and the captions pop up as actual things, and even like panels on the screen you know popping up around him like when miles is walking through the school and people are talking around him and it kind of like just builds a montage of panels around his head and then his uh kind of caption thought balloons take over um and fill up the screen instead and it's so interesting to me the way they decide to use text and kind of the the classic you know the the old uh whoosh, bang, pow, uh, Batman 66 kind of onomatopoeia. Like, you know, because it doesn't happen every time, but they make such effective use of it to really illustrate like, you know, okay, this has some impact behind it. Miles is falling down through like a vertical space and you see the, ah, the A's follow him all the way down. I mean, people fall all throughout this movie, but that's a very distinct frame. And having the text there... And, you know, it, it it illustrates in a way, I think, um, the ways in which animation uh, doesn't do this at, so much as comics does. And so to see it in an animated form really meant a lot to me as a fan of the comics medium that, like, words are still a visual medium. Like, language and letters right, yeah. are... The same, and uh, I'm going to, I'm probably going to reference this multiple times over the course of this series. But Scott McLeod's understanding comics and his whole uh series, he did a whole trilogy with that. But at the beginning, he really breaks down that it used to be that language and pictures were the same thing, and at a certain point, they kind of each veered off into their own kind of representational. Uh, verbal versus visual but the you know verbal in the sense of written language is still visual you're still processing it the same way that you do images so when you're reading comics it's bringing those two kind of back together you know you uh to make a super nerdy outside of marvel reference you've basically brought the uh, the mystics and the skeksis back together in the chamber, and it's the audience reading it that puts the uh, crystal back into the... P- puts the shard back into the dark crystal to unite them in your mind. Because you're reading and processing the language through the same filters that you're processing the, the visual art and, it, yeah, like, and the in your f- brain. Yeah, go ahead. And for, that to, for them to use that mental, that cognitive the kind of trick... In an animated format where it's usually all the you know, the the verbal is all audio, usually. And for them to be like, you know, no, in comics, it's both visual. And for them to give little like head nods and little moments where, yeah, you're gonna read the screen. And that the spider sense literally the first time Miles experiences it says, look out behind him. Like it reads out in his mind. Like right. I just I love it so much. It's so unique It's so smart. Um and I'm amazed. it's really I've a never love letter to people
1: yeah it's a love letter to to people who love comics mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a way to use the medium in a way you know you couldn't in a not a, a live-action film I guess you could but I think it would be less effective like look at uh Angley's Hulk you right. know they tried that and it's it's incredibly distracting in that movie yeah and here it's extremely additive like it is whimsical and um it is it, it it even is a way for them to kind of really like fine tune the pacing of the movie mm-hmm. when you know there's action on screen and they get your brain, your focus to go, wait, I got to read this thing and then go back and they can use it to tell jokes or whatever they're doing. Um, right. But they really managed to weave it in seamlessly into the fabric. Um, the only my favorite live thing about action films you know, I can yeah. think
0: of that have done it uh, super effectively were uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, sure where it's like the same thing you know they're playing in a, a very whimsical playful space and you know they're and they're trying to say like hey this guy lives in kind of a in a living comic and a living video game and you know it's yeah we're showing you a live-action movie but it's he his reality is kind of processed through the filter of all of this media that he's uh absorbed as a you know gen X gen Y youth um and you Gosh, I'm wearing all of my years in saying that. Um, and then the only other one I can think of is uh, was the, at least the first Sin City. And that one, you know, less whimsical, but it's still like, you know, hey, look, we're putting a comic book on screen. Like, not in a, you know, hey, we're adapting it. Hey, we're making the language of one work as the language of the other. It's saying, like, we're going to take Frank Miller's Sin City comic and put it on the screen. And part of that will be panels, and part of that will be word balloons, and part of that will be like onomatopoeia on screen, Um, and even both of those, I don't think, uh, get nearly as effective as this one because this one's already playing with bending reality and like narratively, not even just in a in a diegetic sense of just outside of the movie. Like, oh, we're gonna play with the notion of you know reality and medium. It's like the Movie itself is about reality fracturing, and that reality fracturing being shown so often as visual glitching and like overlaying images and the ways in which like color and light shift uh, in the world to indicate that you know the uh, the whole when they first when the device first gets switched on and that you know kind of corner lamppost gets. Twisted around and it has, you know, just all those different frames of different reality kind of bent around it. It's like, that's such a visual representation of reality folding in on itself that, you know, in another, in like a live action thing would be like, you know, oh here, you know, it's just kind of, you would try to ground it more. You would try to have it be, you know, oh, uh, here's a Victorian lamppost jutting out of one side, or, you know, here's a, you know, just a lantern hanging off of, you know, the edge of it or something like that. Where with this one, it's like, no, here's an actual frame superimposed over
1: this already existing image. Right. Things you can get away with in this art style that yeah. you just couldn't do live. Yeah. Um, we should probably get into the movie itself. Um yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. The... Uh, let's, let's start the recap. Uh, we will probably end up touching on production things as we go, but we, we really wanted to focus on what happens in this thing. Um, so we open up, we have our, we already open with those glitches that you just talked about, which, right. um, if Freddie studio person listening, anytime you fuck with the, the logo, I'm, I'm all there for it. I'm a fan. Um, like Disney does that from time to time. Uh, you know, it's just always like, oh good, you're. You're you're already playing with my expectations, which is great. Uh, and we hear we hear uh, Chris Pine as Peter Parker say, "Let's do this one last time," which of course was for the first time. Uh, and we're introduced to his origin story via like a comic book, uh, and his quick recitation of his um, his history of Spider-Man, which is a riff on the Tobey Maguire movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I loved this. I thought it was, you know, you're already having fun. You're playing with the medium because they said, oh, I'm a... He talks about his merchandise, which includes, like, an okay popsicle, and it's a photograph, not, you know, not a drawing. It's a shitty (laughs) Spider-Man popsicle. Um, He says he has a TV show, and it's the 60s Spider-Man cartoon. Uh, And, of course, we get the finger guns and dancing from Spider-Man 3. So what more more can you ask for? (laughs)
0: Well, and the thing that I think... uh Amuses me every time that I watch it is the fact that they do take, you know, scenes and moments from the Raimi films and like visually translate them both into with the dancing and when he's you know in the restaurant with MJ and the car comes through the window and he's like I mean that's like a frame for frame like reshot of uh, the moment from Spider Man Two uh, when the same thing happens but instead of it being Tobey Maguire in because in every one of those scenes he's Peter Parker outside of the costume. But in this movie and every single one of those, it's retranslated with him in the costume, which becomes kind of right, the-, the notion of, uh, that it can be anyone behind the mask is established very early on. Cause we're not shown Peter Parker's face for a good long while, even as you know, this version of Peter Parker is narrating, uh, his opening montage and his origin and everything that's happened to him in this reality. Um, that it's still, like, you know, right from the top. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. It's way more about, like, that iconic suit uh, than necessarily even the man. But we definitely get into the man behind it, both this version and uh, the uh, Peter B. Parker that we meet later. But... Yeah. the fact, just from the very beginning, it's, you know, yeah, we are following... Uh, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man can be anybody.
1: And what I like is they what well, they're using the iconography that we're all familiar with from the Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're using um but they're doing enough to tell you this is not actually Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Right. They're already dropping hints like you said things are slightly different um here and there so it's not perfect. So like when when like like you said with with the finger guns dancing, for example, he's not wearing the spider-man costume he's himself um he there's also things in the background that are telling you so you see like a billboard Mm -hmm. for like it's what's it coca soda -Soda
0: with a k right yeah
1: yeah everything is slightly yeah the 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 police aren't the nypd they're the pdny right um so we're already being told we're not quite in the universe that we we know and uh i I think it's a really effective way to kind of like bring in, you know, the audience to say like, yeah, you're familiar with this stuff, but it's not exactly what you expect. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to shout out um, there. You hear this one. They don't bother to do the whole origin story of Peter Parker, which we've all seen multiple times now. We all know it, but as a nice nod, the, the slight bit of audio that you hear of uncle Ben is cliff Robertson. uh, Audio. I think it was unused audio from Spider-Man Two, So it is actually him, which is kind of sweet. Um, so we get that and we immediately, as soon as that's done and he says, I'm the one and only Spider-Man and you're looking at him. We immediately smash cut to Miles, um, hanging out in his bedroom, listening to music, uh, to this, uh, Sunflower, uh, by Post Malone, which is a, like, that's like his happy place. That song, like Mm -hmm. it comes up multiple times and it's sort of the way of him, like centering himself around that song, which I like. Um, and uh we meet him he uh he's kind of off to school. he takes the ride with his dad, and we get to see a lot of his family dynamic, which I think you know him and his relationship to his uh blood family, his mm-hmm. relatives as opposed to his spider family he'll have later um it's such the emotional engine that drives this movie it's so natural. The chemistry between um Shamik Moore, who plays miles. Um, Brian Tyree Henry who plays his dad oddly named Jefferson Jefferson Davis Davis, I don't know why they went with that name Um, I don't know that Brian Michael Bendis knows
0: a lot of southern history (laughs) so I think when he named the characters I don't know that it really resonated in his mind the one that always blows me uh, blows my mind is uh, if Miles had decided to take his dad's name instead of his mom he would be Miles Davis
1: Miles Davis (laughs) Right,
0: Uh, and I didn't realize uh, that for the longest time, and then kind of put it together.
1: Yeah, Uh, and then of course his, uh, and we'll later we'll meet his uncle later, Aaron Davis, uh, played by Mahershala Ali. Ali, Uh, one of many actors doing a double Marvel duty here, Mm -hmm. uh, of course. Who is gonna he's gonna be the new Blade? Yes, Uh, and we're gonna meet a lot of other. Uh, actors through this thing who also have uh, other Marvel characters that they this they do. This
0: movie casting was like uh, both a kind of, in some ways greatest hits, in some ways uh, second act of redemption uh, for previous Marvel actors, and also like an audition tape, I think, for so much of the MCU to come. I was re-watching it today, and I was like, yeah, they're gonna be that, they're gonna be that, they're gonna be that. It was just... And it's also, yeah, there's a few. Yeah, yeah, and beyond that, it's just like it's such a just fantastic, fantastic casting throughout this entire movie. Like every single like, there's not a weak link in this voice cast.
1: No, not at all. No, they're all excellent, and there's there's even people that they got like you know named actors for some tiny parts. Like uh, Lake Bell is mm. Vanessa Fisk, and it's like she has like two lines. Yeah, you hired a celebrity to do that, you know. Um, I, I particularly like in this scene the way that uh, Jeff uh, is kind of fucking with Miles outside the school, and he's right. like, to, you know, to, you know, I love you, I love you, son, just to embarrass him a little I bit to say it Matt. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's it's I mean, it's funny, but it's also incredibly endearing and to me as a, as a parent, um extremely relatable because I am absolutely gonna do shit like that to my kids uh when they're that age and easily embarrassed by my antics. Um and it and it sets up that like, you know, there's a slight tension between them mm-hmm. um that will persist throughout the movie. I think that's a, a big you know, them ultimately kinda coming to terms at the end of the movie. Uh, is a, a nice through line underneath everything. Uh, so, all right, so we get him into school. Uh, we get a montage of him going to science classes. We learn that this is a, you know, he's gotten into a, uh, a, a gifted school. It's a, it's a um, magnet school, he, I think, is the. It's a, yeah, right. Uh, a magnet school. He's worried he didn't get in on his own merits. He's worried that, you know, maybe he got in on an affirmative action type deal, Um, which is one of the few times the movie actually really deals with his race. Um, Otherwise, it's just sort of, it's just who he is. It's not really important to the story. Um, Well, and that's drawn directly from uh,
0: the the comics, actually, the whole notion of him getting into the school on a lottery. And this is one of the several, several places throughout the comic, throughout the movie that directly references uh, the comics continuity. Is that you know he him going to uh, the visions and I think I think in the comics it's referred to as a charter school I think in the movie it's called the magnet school I can't I, I might be wrong about that but uh, in the but yeah in the comics uh, he got uh, in on a on a lottery system um, because it is a, it's a private school for you know which tend to be more. Uh, matriculated by a wealthier more privileged uh, student body and he's clearly still living in the neighborhood you know right around the corner from his old school and I think the one of the moments that really struck me was before Jefferson picks him up in the car right after he leaves uh, the house. As he's walking past his old school and saying hi to all his old friends and, you know, shooting the breeze and, you know, switching back and forth between English and Spanish with all of them and, you know, doing handshakes and, you know, everything and walking by people telling him they miss him and all that kind of stuff. And he's just very at ease and in his environment jumps up and puts that sticker up on the street sign. He knows these streets. He runs these streets. Dad picks him up, takes him to the school. He gets in there and like and he's cannot, at the water cannot code switch. Like, he's completely out of his element and and feels that way. And that theme kind of runs throughout the rest of the movie, both as a student and then later as a Spider-Man, um, that he feels out yeah. of place. He feels uh, inadequate, like he doesn't belong. He doesn't deserve these powers, these responsibilities, these privileges that have been afforded to him. And it's really... You Know both, and you know, we'll get into it later, but you know, it's the faith and uh, encouragement of his two mentor figures, of his father and of Peter. And, and of course, you know, Aaron's, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess every Spider Man has to have a dead uncle, um, but you know, get into mm-hmm. that later. But you know, at this point, you know, even before the spider bite, you know, just in terms of the school, he's just looking around and he's like, hey, you know, he's trying. He's not, you know, shy and withdrawn. You know, he's trying to, you know, make friends with everyone the same way he's friends with everyone back in his old neighborhood. And it's just not working. Everyone's looking at him weird. Everyone's kind of giving him the cold shoulder. Everyone's sort of shouting sneers at him, you know, from the background. And you just hear kind of the audio of... It. You know, just taunts as he's walking past people like, hey, I'm making friends. And then you walk away and you hear kind of the receding background. It's just like, like, oh, copy that. <laughs> you know, like mocking him for, you know, having to tell his, his dad embarrassing him out in front of the school. Um, and then you just see you see him so overwhelmed going from class to class. And, you know, having to you know, like, hey, do I have the right books? Am I in here? Am I filling this out right? Everyone else has their hands up way quicker. Everyone else seems to know what's going on. And I'm just, you know, completely out of my depths. And the way that it's intercut and the way that this montage is put together just highlights that so well. Um, And you see it throughout, but, you know, just really hitting the ground running of him moving through that old space, very fluid, very comfortable. He gets in this new space, suddenly everything becomes jump cut and static and uh, he's out of his element again.
1: Yeah, I like what his dad said. I mean, basically, his dad tells him you you know you do deserve to be here as much mm-hmm. as anyone else does, but he doesn't internalize it. He won't internalize it till later, and that's you know as you said, it's a big theme of the movie. Um, it's you know they hit it again by you know he's assigned an essay on Great Expectations, um, which I don't think the the plot of that book matters, but the title sure is uh, evocative here. You sure. know, the teacher tells him, "Hey, you got a zero on this test, and the only way you could have gotten a zero is to actually know." what all the right answers were if you and were guessing you would have done the better zero, than that all the
0: sides of it. it's so good that's such a good teacher
1: i love that that's a gr- i yeah that's a great teacher and it's a great moment An- And another saying, small you know, character with a him, great like, actor behind
0: yeah. it that's natalie morales who's amazing uh, i love her and everything um playing the uh, playing the teacher um
1: yeah and uh, oh, we should mention uh, within this section of course we we he bumps into gwen mm mm-hmm. For the first time, who will you know have, they have that awkward meeting, and uh, she says her name is Gwanda. Um <laughs> well the, and they meet in the in the classroom first,
0: and uh one of one of my favorite jokes, especially on rewatching it, is when he comes in and you know has the whole uh you know oh well, you know Einstein says time is relative, so you know maybe I'm not late, maybe all of you are early, and Gwen's the only one who laughs, which immediately kind of endears her to him, but also. Yeah, she got thrown back a week in the time stream when she showed up. So she is there early. Right, kinda, she is a
1: week early. She, she kind of outs herself yeah.
0: a little bit in that moment laughing at it. Um, and uh, and I yep. love the the fact that in that scene he's, that he's blocking the screen. So we get our first glimpse of uh, Dr. Olivia O. But we don't see the rest mm-hmm. of her last name yet. Uh, which masking that reveal like right we're they, they say Catherine that reveal. voice we're seeing her in the background explaining like multiple realities and quantum mechanics of the multiverse and that but he's like right there blocking the uh, the back half of her name which is just such great masking because you don't know it's it's masking without even knowing you're looking at something being masked which i think is so smart and brilliant
1: Right, it's the it's only something you will get on the second watch. Exactly, um, and and again, we should call out two more Marvel actors in waiting. We've got uh, Catherine Hahn yep. uh, from Wandavision here as as Doctor Octopus. It was Olivia and, all along. Uh and uh, yes, and Haley Stainfield, mm-hmm. um playing Gwen, who will eventually uh, show up in Hawkeye.
0: Yes, our, our Kate uh, Bishop to be.
1: Right, uh, so. Uh, Miles is, you know, feeling distraught. Uh, we hear all of a sudden, uh, we hear Notorious B.I.G. come in, and uh, he's off to visit his uncle Aaron. Uh, and uh, we, he tells, uh, he tells his nephew about Chekhov's shoulder touch <laughs> that we'll get later. Uh, just you know, put your hand on a girl and say, "Hey." hey. Uh, again, their interaction um, is. It's so natural, Mm -hmm. like that, that the way they talk to each other is so effortless. It really feels like these are two people that have known each other uh, forever and have that kind of, you know, they have a fairly close relationship, as you can see. Um, Again, Mahershala Ali just hitting it out of the park um, with this character. And he decides I'm going to take him down to go uh, uh, graffitiing. Near my lair, um, <laughs> or near a bunch of super These dangerous shit. Where
0: I'm working.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you know, good people work down in tunnels secretly. That's right. it. you know
0: o- outside of him, major the labs, of the Opera,
1: you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh but he takes him down there and they have a good time just spraying and he sprays this like uh what's the he's it's great expectations it's, he puts It's uh, so it's the it,
0: for the graffiti it's the tag is uh no expectations.
1: No expectations and he puts his silhouette in front of that word. Yeah. Uh which is a great metaphor. Uh and uh we get our spider number 42 coming down and glitching. Yes. Which is interesting because it implies that the spider is from another universe not his.
0: I think like the the implication, at least to me, on that is not so maybe not so much that the spider came through because the fact that the spider had the number and the Alchemax logo on it, um, to me was like testing that that the the spider had been tested on, and so that instead of the radioactive spider bite, this is a spider this is a quantum spider, so not necessarily that it like came from another universe, but that it's been sort of inundated with yeah 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 exactly that you know they've been kind of doing smaller experiments on you know on these creatures before you know we never see any of this of course we you know by the time that uh they get in there and you know see all the things that are happening uh the super collider device whatever is already up and running and they're you know trying to run a different sample through which uh we don't know at that point, uh, what it is, but uh, we do see, you know, what happens when a creature is introduced into that kind of that stream is that then, you know, not only are they inundated the with that energy, but it calls upon uh, similarly either genetically or spiritually imbued uh, individuals. Uh, so. I think the the fact that they had tested this on the spider and it's it's a visual reference to uh the comics uh because the 42 is what was on uh the spider that bit Miles in the comics and there it was uh an Oscorp spider instead of Alchemax which is was originally a Spider-Man 2099 reference um that's now been brought into uh modern comics continuity and kind of set up but <laughs> That was like the evil corporation and like the cyberpunk future of uh, Miguel O'Hara, uh who we will also uh meet much, much, much Eventually later me. in the yeah. film. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, I don't know why uh Bendish I always assumed it was a uh a Douglas Adams reference, of course uh to you know, the answer to life the universe and everything i saw someone else uh, reference it as and it still may be it still may be it, it, i mean 42 pops up it's a very it apparently i guess in numerology it's a power number maybe um but uh mm-hmm. i saw someone else saying uh that it was it, it might have been a reference to uh Jackie Robinson's uh jersey number um oh interesting and uh and that you know that since miles was Breaking the Spider-Man color barrier, I guess uh, that that was somehow uh, what was being uh, called upon, and I think it's it's just so interesting because it pops up so many times throughout. Not only on the Spider, but you know, just you see four, forty-two and fours and twos, you know, pop up at multiple points throughout the film. Yeah,
1: and it's clearly. Yeah, it's definitely important to the character. They did it in the uh, in the video game as well. Mm. The spider that bites Miles there is has it's an Oscorp spider with a forty two on it. So, um, so he and gets the, uh, the bite. A, uh, for what's,
0: proper yeah. numerical reference, just uh, to put that in the context of the Ultimate Universe, uh, the spider that bit Peter Parker, which was also an Oscorp spider in Ultimate Spider Man, uh, was zero zero. So it was like the first one, like the kind of the double the zero spider that they tested on was Peter. And then I guess, you know, 42 spiders later, we get to the one that bit uh, Miles. And whether or not that was the case uh, in this universe as well, you know, we see in like a little montage, we see like the head of the spider that bites Peter, but we don't really see any markings on it or get any kind of, you know, was this an Oscorp spider like uh, it has been in some of the movies and in the ultimate comics, or was it just, you know, at a random science demonstration as it was in the original amazing fantasy number 15 or in the uh, I think in the, the Raimi film, it was just an unaffiliated lab that they were on a field trip at that uh, didn't have anything to do with Norman. Uh, the notion that the spider had been experimented on by Norman Osborn, and that that was a link to the Green Goblin, was something that got introduced in the earliest Ultimate Spider-Man. So then having it come back around that it was another Oscorp spider that gave Miles his powers was a way of kind of linking them together. But this one being, like, this quantum spider, instead of radioactive or genetically engineered, that, you know, now the new paranoia is... You know, quantum mechanics and the nature of reality itself and uh, I just I, yeah it's super fascinating and the fa- and yeah that it's glitching the whole time and you know that it like, keeps moving towards him and biting him, and then you know kind of getting swatted away or knocked down his pant leg or into his hood and you know it's just like let me bite you I'm supposed to give you these powers You're stop blocking me right. yeah.
1: hey, it's a great little bit of like because we all know it's coming yeah. as an audience like you know we, so it's a great way to kind of just deflate that moment just a little bit before it happens. And very smartly, all of the, the text on the screen and the comic book effects stuff that we had talked about before, they don't start until this moment. Once he's bitten by the spider, mm-hmm. that's when we first start getting the, you know, all of these different visual flair things that we we talked we talked about before. Right. Um so he So Miles leaves, he goes back to school, uh the next day he's you know sweaty, he's not doing so hot. He tries to do the shoulder touch on Gwen and rips off half her hair. <laughs> um, th- this is this is all very, it reminds me a lot, again, beats they did in the Raimi films, right, where Peter, he tries to stop the bus and he puts his hand on this piece of, like, a banner that's on the side of it and it all comes off in his hand. Yeah. You, know, I, you know, classic superhero, I don't know how this shit works yet stuff.
0: Yeah, waking up and like, and, hey, um, wait, my eyes seem to work differently. These glasses are... <laughs>
1: And he even comments, I think, about like the words on the screen at some point, right? He's like, "Why are my thoughts so loud?" Right, exactly. Something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's like he
0: can perceive that. the 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 reality that exists outside of his own kind of just like a little bit, like yeah. that sort of heightened spider sense or uh, or Peter tingle, as the uh, MCU would have it. Um, <laughs> right. I guess this is yeah. the Miles tingle, um, which isn't nearly as fun to say, but um, yeah. And the fact that you know, and they they give it little tweaks in this one too. The fact that um, it's not just a danger sense, and it's not that it is sort of that like extrasensory. Like I can like why are my thoughts so loud? I can see these other things. Or when like the spiders come in contact with one another, it's like that Highlander sense of like it's like so you you're like me. I can sense it. Hmm? We are both strong with the spider force. <laughs>
1: Right, it's like yeah, you get two magnets close to each other, and they start right exactly reacting. yeah, uh, yeah. So he heads back down into um, the subway tunnel to try and find the spider, figure out what happened. He stumbles into the secret area behind it where the collider is, and he sees uh, Peter Parker fighting for his life against a gigantic green goblin um everything you know that he runs into Peter they sense each other and everything goes to shit and it ends up with um kingpin played by another marvel uh double role here what talking about. Uh, who <laughs> he played uh Sabretooth in no, some sort of that uh, was uh, that movie. was Tyler
0: Maine that was that was Sabretooth, was the only mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but yeah, Ray Donovan. Is I a don't, great it doesn't King look Pan like anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I like how Kingpin is rendered here. It's sort of like they took the like Vincent D'Onofrio version of Kingpin and like just like what if he was like a human chess piece? Like he's just so fucking like big and weirdly proportioned. Well, um, and that they really too have fun is a, with
0: that. It's a direct visual reference to the comics. Uh, the, one of the Greatest all time comics artist, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, Um, did uh, Electra Assassin and uh, the uh, probably one of the most iconic runs on New Mutants, and just has done so many amazing runs and books and titles and covers and this kind of Kingpin idea of like the hulking mass of him with like the head kind almost floating. In this like black void of the body that you just almost grotesquely inhuman physicality is directly from uh, Sienkiewicz's uh, depiction of the Kingpin. I want to say from Electro Assassin, but it might be from the Daredevil comics. I'm trying to remember exactly. but um, But yeah, that's how he depicted... Uh, the Kingpin, and the, and they've you know said, it's like, yeah, that was our homage and we wanted to have that, you know, Sienkiewicz is a master, and we just there are so many, just they pull from, not only from different source materials, but just the visual references in this movie to the comics it's such a love letter to just Spider-Man lore and characters across multiple decades and multiple media, and this is just another example, it's like, because Kingpin started out in the comics as a Spider-Man villain He wasn't a Daredevil villain until much later. Like, he really became more iconic as a Daredevil villain. But he was first introduced in Spider-Man. And so bringing him kind of back to his roots here as, like, as the big Spidey dad in this. Like, he's bossing Green Goblin around. Who is the, like, he's the Joker to Spider-Man's Batman. Like, and in this version, that dude's just a henchman compared to, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Octopus, another iconic villain is, you know, his is his lab monkey. Like, all of these iconic Spider-Man villains are just, like, under Fisk's thumb throughout this entire thing. And I love it. It's so good. And, yeah, yeah Schreiber does such a it's great, great job. With yeah.
1: It. It's great to to see him as the mastermind mm-hmm. and also as a physical threat that he literally oh, can yeah. beat Spider-Man to death. You know, yeah. that's really cool. Um, I again to touch on the video game thing. The first thing that happens in the Spider-Man game is you take him down. That's like the tutorial, mm. and a lot of the rest of the game is spent with like you're thinking they're thinking about the repercussions of like, yeah, this guy was propping up a criminal web. What happens when there's a power vacuum? Uh, yeah. um, to that, that's a big part of it. But he's yeah, similarly like big and scary, but not like cartoonish like this. Um, but Miles spends most of the time here hiding in the shadows, um, you know, and I think he feels a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. over the, you know, he, he, again, he, he stayed back. He didn't get involved. He let Peter kind of do this. Um, but Peter hands him before he's killed this, um, USB drive, they goober as they will call it, <laughs> uh, tells him to go get out, run, you know, you need this to shut off the machine and get out of here, which he does. Um, he, he goes home. He tries to, uh, sleep it off. He, you know, the, but before that happens, the spy, the prowler chases him down, and he barely gets away. Um, at this point, we have no idea who the Prowler is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not familiar with like, you know, the other Spider-Man media, like, this was a cool, like, oh, it's a new villain. I mean, not really new because he's been in the comics. But for the average person, this is like, oh, cool, a new scary villain. And he's, I love that, like, bright purple. And they use that, like, I don't know if it's a, a Hans Zimmer thing. It's like a cousin mm-hmm. of the Womp. Yeah. It's like this, like,
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that sound mm-hmm. is so like I think it might it be a like, zimmer thing because it it's, looks- it's
0: definitely it's got like resonance of like the wonder woman theme of that like
1: oh <laughs> bum, bum,
0: ba, dum, bum, like you just but yeah that yeah. kind of it's it's like a whole it's like a high like horn but it's like got more like dissonance
1: to it digital yeah, yeah. it's
0: a yeah it's a it's a it's a high-pitched horn through a vocorder or something <laughs> like it's it, but it's such, right. yeah, because it's so jagged and like, and he's such a sharply angled character it, that it, it, it really speaks. To, and almost like that sort of, uh, I always think of uh, Peter and the Wolf, where every like creature gets their particular theme. Light and motif. The light motif, yeah. Um, and, you know, right. it's just like anytime you, it's like the visual and the audio are just like, you know, there, are just like, this is who you're dealing with. You don't need to know anything else about him because how he looks and how he sounds tell you everything until there's more to know. Um, which, right. if you're a classic Spider Man fan, the reveal will come because in the classic continuity, he's a character named uh, Hobie Brown. Has nothing to do, of course, Miles Morales didn't even exist in the comics when Prowler was first introduced. So then, when in the Ultimate line, he kind of got, you know, it's like, oh, here's a Prowler again. And it's going to be Hobie, blah, blah, blah. And then you're just like, What? It's his uncle? Oh my god! And just the way they've played with it over the years in the comics is just their relationship is so fascinating. And so like yeah. fantastically complex. And the movie, like I don't want to say barely scratches the surface, because like that's a hell of a surface to scratch the way that they do it. It's so emotionally resonant, but um yeah, he's just such a great character and I was reading that uh they had to go back and replan their blocking and animation for some of Prowler's moments based on what Ali was doing in the booth because like he was bringing so much like gravitas to it and so much like just weight to each line both as Aaron and as Prowler that they were like oh, we got to go back, you know, like, we're not going to give him notes to change it to our animation. We got to change the animation to match this, because this is the stuff, which I think is yeah. so great. And so speaking to, I mean, you know, again, you know, just the entire cast across the board, but Mahershala Ali is a acting powerhouse in everything.
1: Yep. Uh, so Miles goes home, not to his dorm. He goes to his actual home where his family's surprised to see him and... He, they sort of understand he's had a bad night. They don't obviously know what happened, but he's had a bad night. Um, you know, his dad tells him, "Hey, our family doesn't run from things," which mm. is a nice little nugget to take with him. Uh, he hears the news break about Peter Parker's death and who he really was. Um, he goes to uh, he goes and sees Stan Lee for his cameo, mm. Mm. Uh, who says, "The mask, you know, the, you know, it, it always, always fits, fits eventually.
0: eventually." Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And that was just, I mean, the movie came out just after Stan had passed and like I was bawling in the theater when he popped up. I was just like, I was, cause just, I mean, just being able to see him one time, one more time and him just, it's like, you know, I knew him, you know, we were friends and it was just like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ah, it, 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 broke my heart uh, when he passed. I mean, you know, he, he lived a good long life, but it, uh, you know, it, it broke my heart and it was still very fresh when that scene popped up and um it was it was so perfect and then to immediately undercut it with looking over in the sign of uh absolutely no return like <laughs> right. even if it doesn't fit you're not bringing it back kid and it's like, it's so perfect like that's right. perfectly stan like
1: right uh, so he goes to the memorial service he hears MJ speak um and you know she says you know we all basically we know we all can be heroes just like peter uh, and then st- I like the guy in the crowd kind of undercuts it again by kind of going like, I don't think she's talking to you specifically or whatever. I, he says. I think
0: I think it's a metaphor. And yeah, and talking again real quick about, uh, you know, great talent for pretty small roles in this uh, Zoe Kravitz as Mary Jane. Um, right. Because really, she's got this and then the scene when they run into her at the the dinner party later on. um. But she does such a fantastic job with MJ, and she's and she's a phenomenal. And also, again, also another uh, Marvel uh, doubleheader. Uh, She was uh, Angel and X Men First Class, and our soon-to-be Catwoman in the Batman. Uh, So she's. uh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to be one of the uh, the kind of Marvel DC, a, a, a foot in both houses, as it were.
1: Right. Uh so he um so what do we have here? Uh after that he he does a a little training montage, you know, we we kind of, <laughs> similar fairly to the Sp- uh, the first Raimi Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um there's a great moment which is I think it's more Spider-Man 2 when he loses is it he loses his powers, he's trying to get him back yeah. and he does the like jump off the roof and he just tumbles down and like lands on a car. Yeah. And Miles basically does the exact same shot. Um, I love that um, I and love him a, going remember, to like the top right, of the building 42.
0: And standing on the roof and like looking down And you think he's about to jump And then it cuts back to the stairwell and him like running back down And he's there across the street and he's looking at that And he sees a he slightly a smaller, smaller building, building. Yeah. And then the super smaller building In between the two and he's like that's the one <laughs> It's like yeah right. you Start off uh, you, know, it's like, you know If, if you want to learn whether or not you can fly Take off from the ground Don't just <laughs> jump off of yeah, you know, I'm gonna jump out this window yep. to see if I can fly. No, see, you know there aren't a whole lot of geese taking elevators up to the 13th floor. You know, <laughs> take off from right. the ground if you can fly.
1: Uh, so he he decides he's gonna go to Peter's grave to uh, just try and figure things out for himself. Uh, and we meet Peter B. Parker, <laughs> played by Jake Johnson from New Girl and uh i I love this. We get his version of the like, okay, so let's do this, and we see his um his deal uh, the i I always love a character who is like you know, this person should be really competent, but they don't have their shit together, yeah. And it's like just, there's like a, like Jack Sparrow is that, right? It's like, right. oh, this guy should, this guy's a really good pirate, except he's drunk and he's lost his ship and his treasure. And he's, you know, that's who this guy is, right? He's, he's an older Spider-Man than this universe is Peter Parker. And he's like paunchy and like weeping alt Jewish, which I like. Uh, we see him break <laughs> a glass at his wedding. Um, and he's but, very much that yeah, I in, the, this. in the
0: comics, they calls it uh, the old Parker luck. Which is like, mm-hmm. you know, things, even when things go right, they still go wrong. And this guy's just like the embodiment of that.
1: Um, well, they always play with that, right? That, like, even when Spider Man succeeds, Peter Parker's personal life is a wreck. Yeah. And, they, they, yeah, they've, they've put the slider all the way to one side. That is, like, he's, you know, his marriage is falling apart. He's just, you know, he's eating pizza in the bathtub, which is not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've never had shower pizza before? It's great. It's a. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> uh very very funny. Um and we end up with um, and this when we escape that yeah.
0: In in his reality, you know, kind of pointing out even more so uh what we've seen so far of Miles's reality is all of the ads in that we see during Peter's montage are uh things from our world. So it's, you know, it, it is, you know, Coca-Cola and NYPD and everything's much more you know, familiar to our world, which means it is Like our world's Spider-Man, our world's Peter Parker, being taken over to like Miles's reality, Um, or at least like the mainstream one. And there's there's a and I never noticed this until this most recent uh, viewing. But when they activate uh, the device for the first time, and kind of and you hear Liv's voice in the background talking about like we've made contact with you know three, no four, no five universes, and they show the screen. Like each one, I didn't notice the numbering before, but each one of them corresponds to that character's actual uh, comic Earth designation uh, in the Marvel oh, he's multiverse. 616. So yeah, he's uh, you see the middle one is uh, sixteen ten, which is the Ultimate Universe's designation where Miles is from, and then you see six one six, which is of course the mainstream Marvel continuity, and then you see uh, sixty five. Which is Gwyn's, uh, Spider-Gwyn's universe. And then the other ones have too many numbers for me to remember right now. But, you know, correspond to that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the uh, the SPDR uh, universe and the noir-verse. And, uh, of course, the uh, uh, cartoon-verse where... The pig Uh Yes, where, where our, our very own Peter Porker uh, hails from. But each one, and I was like, that's attention to detail. Because it's a blink and you miss it screen. But it's like, you know... They went out of the. It would be so easy to just say, like, you know, oh, this is Earth One, and that's Earth Five, and this is Earth Ten. And they're like, you know, no, we've got to get it right because nerds are going to pay attention. (laughs) And, like, that's the very nature of it. Someone will freeze
1: frame this, goddammit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we have this really fun kind of action pack sequence where he's, you know, Peter gets knocked out, Miles is dragging him, Miles doesn't know what he's doing. It's this comedy of errors played out as they're being dragged behind an L train. Uh they're tangled up in a snowman. You get that really funny like slow-mo drag yeah, of the snowman across the face. window. Yeah.
0: And then they land in the um, middle of the crosswalk. Um and I didn't know again, another thing And they're I both spent. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and it's just Miles just like, "Go around. Go around us." And like one guy just kind of like is stepping just over them. And it's like, thanks, New York. uh, Which is one of my favorite jokes in the movie, but I never noticed this until this time watching it, is that Stan again. It's Stan Lee's character stepping over him in that. And apparently he's on the train earlier, too, when Miles is uh, first escaping from uh, the Prowler. That, uh, you know, when he kind of latches onto the train, and the window is apparently... Stands up, so stands all over this movie. He's only got the one speaking line, but he's like scattered throughout as like just he's he's everywhere Spider Man is, um, which is fitting enough because uh, he's of course he and Ditko are Spidey's daddies. So, um, right. but I but I only ever noticed the uh, the first one, the most prominent one uh, with him in the shop uh, selling Miles the Mask, and. To then, like, you know, realize that, you know, how pervasive he is and how, again, you know, the the attention to detail and the amount of where it would just be so easy to just have that be just a random New Yorker stepping over them uh, to to get the laugh. It's like, nope, it's Stan. Because only Stan's allowed to step over Mm Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Peter, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Miles tries to interrogate Peter. It doesn't go very well. Peter breaks out of it. He says, "You know, don't don't pay attention to the mouth. Watch the hands." The hands yeah, uh, which is a great little bit of advice. You know, you <laughs> another can tell Jack Sparrow this moment. Very while. Jack
0: Sparrow moment there. Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, you know, Peter basically says, I- "I'll see you later." He pieces out. He goes out the window and immediately glitches and <laughs> falls and, and very comically. But this, as funny as this is, it also lets you know, like. All of these uh, interloping spider people Mm -hmm. are there's like a ticking time bomb of like they they don't belong here. Yeah, they're unstable, Um, and so they decide to go together to Alchemax to try and figure out what to do because in Miles's uh, uh, fall uh, that we saw before, uh, he cracked the goober that Peter the original Peter Parker gave him. Yeah, Uh, so they got to go. The fact that that whole scene and conversation
0: uh, between them is played out on the wall. Like, they're just standing... Yeah, up. Like it's it, great. It's, it's such a great... Because those are the only real characters that you could do a scene like that with that's just, like, turned on its axis.
1: And they're on opposite walls, on opposite buildings. Yeah. You know, kind of, like, you get that... The way they have that conversation, it's it's great. Um, it, like you said, it's something you couldn't do with any other characters. Yeah.
0: Really. And um, just the one, like, random guy looking out his window, and I, I immediately thought of the Batman 1966... Show where, like, you know, you'd have the you know Batman and Robin climbing up you know the wall, and clearly it's just the camera on its angle. And you'd have like celebrities like picking their head out and talking to Batman and Robin through a window or something. And for some reason, when I saw the guy like just staring out his window, like watching both the Spider Man, he's like looking back and forth between the two of them. And I'm just like, this is yeah, because it's exactly. You know that, but it's in real life, and mm-hmm. they don't have a rope they're hanging onto. It's two guys standing on a right. wall having a conversation, and the guy who's there just like, "Is this? Eh, that's New York for you, I guess." Uh,
1: so they take the bus uh, to Alchemax. Miles thought they were going to swing, and he says something like, "I'm not swinging to upstate New York, yeah, <laughs> or uh, wherever they're going, Yonkers." After um, they get, they do go get and-
0: burgers first. Very
1: important details. Yes, that they go uh, at get a, the burgers at a at a burger joint that does not exist in Peter's <laughs> universe or hasn't for like six yeah. years. So he's thrilled <laughs> to just chow down. And then he says, "Yeah, ask. He needs Miles to pay. He says, i 'I'm not particularly liquid right now,' or something. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: you're gonna um, eat that and just
1: <laughs> so uh, just yeah. so perfect. Again, it's it's so fun to have the 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 mentor figure be you know shit at his job of mentoring yeah Um, disinfect the mask lots of
0: baby powder especially in the joints you don't want that to chafe that's all the advice i have to give you right (laughs) yep
1: uh so they head to alchemax that you know we see kingpin um you know uh or miles sees kingpin says i gotta go after him um we hear olivia warning about interdimensional breakdown um and we get this really funny scene of like they're they're trying to get the computer or to the computer. They're trying to hack it. They don't know what they're doing. Miles is stuck to the ceiling and can't get loose. <laughs> and uh, Peter is like, try you, know, you gotta relax. you gotta try and get out and he starts singing sunflower to himself, yeah, right. I gotta go to my happy place. I'm gonna sing this song. doesn't work.
0: <laughs> um, my favorite thing both times, and it's consistent across uh, both, is that like he's. He doesn't like he loves the song. He sings along with it, but he doesn't really know all the words.
1: It's very like yeah, that <laughs> feels very relatable of like he he kind of knows it, but not yeah, really. Yeah.
0: It's like it pops in and <laughs> it's like, "Oh, this is the line I know," but then it's like he's not like uh, 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 like he's still singing it with kind of like
1: I but, uh, 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 <laughs> just, Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it so much cuz I was just like, "Yep, that's me in the car." That's <laughs>
1: Um so there uh, we find out that Miles can turn invisible here, or Peter finds out that he can do that. Mm-hmm. He can't do it on command, though, as we'll find. <laughs> he can't later.
0: do it on uh, command,
1: right? Um, but they decide instead of stealing the file, they're just going to take the entire computer. <laughs> don't need uh, the monitor. They though. run. <laughs> right. They don't need the monitor. Uh, they try to run. Um, Peter wants to make sure he grabs a bagel, um, but we are introduced to Olivia. Uh, Octavius in the flesh and of course we figure out she is just like her Alfred Molina counterpart yes. <laughs> uh, and she attacks uh, and they they have this really cool like moment of connection as they try to swing away from the facility and it's like you know thwip release thwip release and it's it's like for a moment like yes it's working they're you know they're connecting it's and but um it, it immediately falls apart pretty yeah. quickly um <laughs> And Miles just says, I'm just going to run on the ground. He's like, no, don't run. She'll catch you. Um, Really great. Uh, And then, of course, Gwen swoops in to save the day.
0: Yeah. Which, like, between that and uh, and, and Liv, and and even Penny later, and I think, like, and May to a certain extent, uh, one of the things I think that this movie does so well is uh, being... Not only you know, of course, Miles is a great figure of, uh, of racial inclusivity, but the movie really goes out of its way uh, in more than just kind of like a head fake kind of notion or just a token notion, like very gender inclusive, um, at least well, in terms of the gender binary construct, but you know that that's a whole other thing. but there are very strong women throughout this whole thing. and at the beginning of this sequence, when Peter's laying out the plan. When he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go and uh, hit up the the head science person," and like in his mental image of it, he's heading towards this guy sitting at a computer who's like much more closely resembles a traditional doc Ock. Um, and then, like, but in his mind, Liv kind of walks past, and Miles points out to him again this kind of awareness of this shared mental space because it's not a real thing, and he's not like you know describing anything. It's like. But Miles can see the comic panel that is happening in Peter's mind. And as Liv walks past with the bike, he's like, oh, that's the head uh, science person. I saw them uh, in a film at school. And Peter's like, cool, follow them. And uh, step two, examine my own biases. Uh, and then like follows off after. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great throwaway line, but like really hits home. Like, yeah, we're going to have... A really badass lady, Doctor Octopus. We're gonna have some uh, some badass lady Spider Man. We're gonna have a badass Aunt May. Like this movie, you know, has awesome women, you know, throughout it. You know, not even just you know superheroes. You know, Aunt May, like I said, Uh, Rio Miles's mom is you know so great throughout it, and uh, MJ again in the few scenes we get to see with her, Um, and I just I I love it so much, and that you know it, it never. Has to hit you over the head with it or anything, you know. It's just kind of like it's just there, and this is the one kind of like sort of winking to put the lampshade on it of like, all right, examine my own biases, moving on,
1: <laughs> right? Um, so they they head back. Uh, we, we get a brief scene letting us know like what Kingpin's deal is that his. Uh, wife and son apparently are dead. Right. Uh, and we, we can figure out his goal is to obviously bring back an alternate universe version of them. Um, but mainly we're, we're, we're zooming ahead here because they go to visit Aunt May, mm-hmm. uh, who you just met, is played by Lily Tomlin. Oh, so good. Um, and she's, you know, they immediately reveal that she was, you know, she was. Uh, she's Alfred. She knows. She knew Peter's <laughs> secret. And there is a a spider cave yes. uh, under a shed in their yard that goes to this enormous cavern where they've got all sorts of um, you know, comic different costumes that we've seen in other comics or other incarnations. And the spider mobile, very says,
0: importantly, the spider mobile is there. <laughs> the... Sp- the spider mobile. <laughs> uh, all confirmed.
1: sorts of Easter eggs. <laughs> it's basically a cave full of Easter eggs is oh, what it totally. is. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah, I um,
1: love and, it. And, and, uh, yeah, and we're told that you know, hey, you know, we've been expecting you because there's already some other spider people here, and we are introduced to Noir Spider Man, uh, Penny Parker, and Peter Porker, uh, and we get their quick backstories on each of them, which um, don't really matter other than you know, like uh, yeah, Noir guy, anime girl, pig cartoon. That's that's what you yep. need. Um, the also total respect to the comic source
0: material that they stuck with the fact that. Uh Peter Porker is not a pig who was bitten by a radioactive spider. He's a spider who was He's bitten a by a radioactive pig. And that is a very right. very important
1: <laughs> distinction. <laughs> Everything about that, like, just the fact that we're going to introduce a cartoon character who plays by cartoon rules. Like, later on, yeah. he pulls out, like, a, a mallet. Anvils are in play. Yes. Um, he talks about <laughs> at one point, hey, do you ever, like, waft along, like, the smell to a delicious, delicious pie? pie like, yes. <laughs> right. All, all that stuff is great. Um, we should mention Nicolas Cage is noir Spider-Man. Again, uh, another double duty because he's ghostwriter. Yes. Um but yeah, so funny here. Just do so just being good. Nicolas Cage saying depression era slang is just funny whenever it occurs. It's it's so good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, sucking egg creams and fighting Nazis a lot.
1: <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. And uh and for our listeners, an egg cream is a uh, a soda <laughs> drink you would take basically it's chocolate milk with a hit of seltzer to foam it up. Yep. And uh pretty good. Um. Very, very funny. All three of them. They're, they're all comic relief characters, and they all work in different ways. And it gives them just a chance to like add more tropes and jokes into the the thing. But again, they are all portrayed as competent spider heroes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in you know.
0: And, and uh, uh, uh John yeah. Mulaney as Spider Ham. If you haven't listened to it, uh, there are uh, booth outtakes. Of uh, lines that he improvised in the booth for Spider Ham, that they couldn't use in the movie for any variety of reasons, but they're so delightfully raunchy and funny and worth hunting down and giving a listen to. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think I think Mulaney's like one of the funniest guys of recent years, all of his personal troubles aside. But um, I just when he Great popped comedian, up in this, I was just like, I know that voice.
1: <laughs> he's uh, he also voices he's a main voice on a, a show called Big Mouth mm-hmm. uh cartoon on Netflix, which is very funny.
0: Um, nice.
1: so again, we they lay out the stakes, which is we got to turn we got to get back to the machine. Um, we got to um somebody's got to stay behind to destroy it. Um in theory, that should be miles, but everybody is concerned that he is not very good. That being a Spider-Man, this is where we get that scene. he go. You know, he can't. He's got this electricity punch, but he can't do it, I on, can't command. Do it on command. He can't can turn do, it on on command. do it on command. <laughs> <Do> it on... <laughs> right. Such
0: a perfect delivery.
1: Um. Yeah. So they they try to you know they punch him around. Get, try to do a little training montage. It doesn't work. Um. And he, you know, he just leaves it dejected. Um. Leaving the rest of them to figure they're gonna do this on their own. Um. And uh, we have this phone call um, from uh, his dad that is, you know, he tries to tell him, you know, or at least check on what's going on. Uh, one thing I noticed in uh, one of the contacts in his phone is Steve Ditko.
0: Yeah. I shall, Like his enti- again, same as with the spider cave, his entire contact list, both times we really like see him scroll through his phone is full of Easter eggs because it's got uh, uh, Brian Bendis is in there. Uh S. Pacelli, who's Sarah Picelli. Uh yeah, like you said, Ditko. And yeah, it's a whole bunch of them are just different references to uh Spider-Man creators and other characters uh from the lore. And it's just I, I haven't I haven't gone through in far but yeah, those are were the most like obvious standouts uh to me. But yeah, that, getting getting a little shout out to uh, Steve Ditko is uh, is very nice because I don't know that he gets as much uh credit um for Spidey's creation and Doctor Strange's creation as well. Um yeah. And uh you know, it's like he was he was right there alongside Stan and Jack House of Ideas uh, back in the day like cranking out amazing characters um and being a, a otherwise a crazy recluse. <laughs> <laughs> As all true geniuses Um, are.
1: Correct, yes. Uh, I say as I record this podcast from my closet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So, uh, let's see. Uh, So he goes to Aaron's apartment to try and talk to his uncle. Um, His uncle comes home as the prowler, and now, you know, Miles knows the secret. Um, Aaron does not yet, um, but we have a chase between the two of them. It ends in this big... Uh, you know, kind of slow-mo, um, car accident. It's, you know, just a lot of like ac- Spider-Man acrobatics. Yeah. Um, and he just takes off running. Uh, and we hear, um, Aaron as Prowler tell Kingpin, you know, kid's still out there. I'm going to find him. Uh, we cut back to, uh, the, the spider team. Penny is making a new goober. Uh, and we get a really <laughs> funny joke of, um, uh, noir Spider-Man trying to solve a Rubik's cube. Yes. And we realize he's colorblind. Yeah.
0: Purple? I love no. that. Blue? No. I don't get this thing at all.
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a There's a very similar joke in the Weird Al epic UHF <laughs> where uh, there's uh, two uh, uh, homeless guys sitting on a bench and one of them is wearing the glasses so we know he's blind and he just plays with a Rubik's t- Cube and he goes, is this it? And the other guy goes, nope. He does it again. Is this it? <laughs> nope. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's a mean ableist joke now, but it's still pretty clever. Um, uh, But anyway, um, Miles tries to tell the team about the Prowler who then attacks and May's house is wrecked by him and uh, basically the Sinister Six, although not technically the Sinister Six. Yeah. um, It's an all play. Everybody's there.
0: Tombstone. Uh, So yeah, it's it's more like a Sinister Four. I guess five with Kingpin, but uh, the interesting thing... Uh in this scene for me oh, has always been uh when Doc Ock tears the door down and comes in, uh Aunt May says, you know, it's like, oh great, it's Liv. And we see earlier, you know, when we first uh get introduced to her as uh Doctor Octopus, that she says, uh when Peter says, you know, do your friends call you Doc Ock? And she's like, My friends call me Liv, my enemies call me Doc Ock. And then like this feels like almost a pointed callback to that, that like May is calling her live. And in the comics, um, Aunt May and Dr. Octopus, uh, have a, uh, a brief relationship, uh, hmm. pretty early on and almost get married. Um, and so I was talking to some friends after we first saw this movie and we were kind of like, are we hinting that like May and Liv were maybe friends and maybe more than friends in this universe that like she's like oh Liv cuz it's it seems such a an interesting thing that like not only does May know who this woman is but refers to her by her friendly nickname um but like right. not in a friendly way and i was like if that is what I think it is, it's the coolest and deepest cut. Like, And also <laughs> establishing not only do we have strong women in this reality, in the Spider-Man reality, we've got strong gay women, or at least strong bi women, in this reality. Mm-hmm. Which I think is pretty damn cool. Um, and they can confirm, deny, ignore, whatever they're going to do. It's my headcanon until I hear otherwise that uh, that May and Liv are, are bitter
1: exes. I totally dig that. I <laughs> like that interpretation. Uh, and I see no reason to th- uh, discredit it at all. <laughs> I think we should go with it. Um, so, okay, so we have this fight. Uh, eventually we end up with Prowler holding Miles on the roof. Miles has no other... Uh, Gambit left, but to just reveal who he is, because he figures his uncle won't kill him. Yeah. Uh, Aaron hesitates, and so the kingpin shoots him. Um, Miles takes Aaron to an alleyway where all superhero relatives go to die.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I think Thomas and and uh, Martha's chalk outlines were still somewhere on on the pavement there.
1: Right. (laughs) Uh, So they have they have a last moment, and um, uh, I. Jeff comes upon them, but Miles turns invisible um, and leaves. Um, so for a moment, we think Jeff thinks Spider-Man killed Aaron, but uh, he's disabused of that notion pretty quickly. That yeah. um, seems unlikely. Um, but Miles uh, goes back to his dorm. The Spider Team shows up. They they tell him, "Hey, you know," they try to comfort him, but then they uh, web him up. Basically say, you know, you know, we're going to do this, you know, after causing you know, his roommate to gonna... pass
0: out, uh, from the trauma of seeing yeah. five Spider-Men or, or I guess six Spider-Men
1: on the roof, on the roof, from the ceiling. ceiling. Yeah.
0: It's like, do animals talk in this universe? Cause I don't want to freak the kid out. <laughs> then he passes out. <laughs> right. And that's, uh, that we never get the name in the movie, but that's, uh, but it's ganky Genki, Yeah, definitely. A much, uh, trimmer ganky than we get in the comics. Um, But uh, yeah, it was nice to see him after, I think especially after sort of the Ned Leeds who looks like Genki interpretation in the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies to actually just be like, nope, here you go, Genki. It's Miles' Genki. He's, you know, nerdy Asian kid who's Miles' best friend and roommate in the uh, dorms. Um, And I was happy for it because I love Genki. I think he's such a great character and I hope we get more of him apparently there was supposed to be more of him in an earlier version of the film. And like, I was watching some uh, alternate uh, footage and cut scenes and animatics earlier. And like all the training stuff was originally going to be like uh Genki really being like Ned in the MCU films, his guy in the chair and being like showing him a, a, a version of a Spider-Man film as sort of a training video and like in this universe, what the yeah. Spider-Man film they made was. And there were some funny things in there. I think they made the right choice structurally to ditch all that. But I do hope in the sequel that we uh, get to see more uh, of Genki and of their friendship. Because it's one of the best things in the comics.
1: Yeah, I like Genki uh, as a character. He um, he does appear in the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man game. And he's Excellent. in that role. He's Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know they recorded audio for him for this movie. They actually recorded dialogue, yeah. and they ended up just cutting it.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I, I don't know who did the performance for it, but uh, or if it was just like a, a scratch track uh, that they did, and we're gonna cast it later. But whoever they had was like was really good, I thought, because they played it alongside the, the animatic, like a, like they would like a cut scene. or I should say deleted scene, since we're also talking about video games. Um, but. Um, the yeah, the, I thought the performance was really good. I don't know, uh, they didn't say who the actor was, and I've, I haven't looked it up. But um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. And if they kept him around uh, for the sequel uh, to voice the character again, um, I'd be I'd be happy with it. So whoever oh, totally, you yeah, are, I think you know, thank you for your Genki.
1: <laughs> yes, unsung hero of Genki. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, But anyway, yes, they web up Miles uh, so that he uh, can't get himself in harm's way while they go to take care of the big boy problems. Um, And we get this really heartfelt scene where his dad goes to try and talk to him, Mm -hmm. uh, not realizing that Miles can't talk back because he's webbed up and his mouth is literally covered. Um, And I I just really like what he says. He tries to tell him about Aaron. He can't. He tells Miles he has a spark. He loves him. Uh, You know, all the encouragement that he really needs to, you know, complete his journey as a character.
0: Just, and I mean, Um, Brian Tyree Henry is so good throughout as Jefferson, but I think this is such a showcase moment uh, for him performance wise. And you just feel so much through the vocal performance and like, and this is the really great thing about, uh, about actors and voice actors in particular, who like. Can convey so much through just you know intonation and that little catch in the throat and that little like when he can't bring himself to tell Miles through the door about Aaron and about what happened and like has to transition it into like because and he tries to even talk about like their relationship and you know people you know lose track of each other and that people fall away from each other and nope can't do that either you've got a spark and like really goes into it. And it's like, I'm going to talk about you and how I feel about you. And it's not, um, it's not about me and it's not about him and it's not about us. Like, let me just tell you in no uncertain terms what I think of you and how I feel about you. And I think that moment in particular, you know, and, and I, I think, I think he's a, a, a phenomenal actor and I'm so glad that he's starting to get uh, more and more and about to be uh, a Marvel uh, doubleheader uh, in uh, coming up in Eternals uh, playing uh, Festus. Um, and, but he's, he's been fantastic in everything I've seen him in, in recent years. Um, and I'm sure if I went back and saw like earlier stuff, but I really noticed him in recent years. And then, you know, in this one it was just like, man, Man, he's good to be like in a movie with, you know, like with a Mahershala Ali, with uh, Ali of Schreiber and, you know, to be able to stand just, you know, shoulder to shoulder and head to head and just be. And it's such a wonderful, you see so many like father figures in movies and especially in, you know, uh superhero movies where, you know, either. They're like a crappy dad, or they're a dead dad, or, or they're both.
1: Or they're the villain. <laughs> or they're the villain.
0: And in this one, you've got, like, he's a supportive dad. He's like, he's this great example of, like, non-toxic masculinity. He's like, he wants Miles to succeed. And he, like, the only time he, like, really chastises or reprimands Miles is trying to get him to live up to that potential. And then in this moment, he realizes that tactic's not working. I'm not reaching him that way. And I'm actually driving him away, maybe. I've just got to like let the walls down. Th- those walls I built up with my brother, they can't exist between me and my son. And I just have to tell him, in no uncertain terms, exactly how I feel. And the fact that in this moment, after that kind of insistence in the schoolyard of, like you know, it's like, you've got to say it back. You've got to say it. That he's just like, I love you. You don't have to say it back. Just right. They bring that around. Move me so beautifully, and like, and that one-two punch of that, and just before Peter leaves after like webbing him up, Mm -hmm. that he's like, you know, how am I going to know when I'm ready? He's like, you won't know. It's a leap of faith, which then like comes back a couple more times throughout. Like that, he hears that, and it's like it's almost like hanging over him in that moment, but it's really got to be his dad who comes in and says that spark, which Jefferson doesn't realize he's making a pun there, but, uh, you know, just beautifully, you know, we see that spark visually represented moments later when he uses his, uh, venom blast to, you know, break out of the webs, break out of the chair. He's like, yeah, that's what hits deep. That's what inspires him. That's what, okay. Okay. You know, no more moping around, no more feeling inadequate. He believes in me, so I can believe in myself. And, you know, right, I mean, you know, fathers and sons and complicated relationships like that just hit home for me. So in this moment to really have that hit home. And I think there's a lot of you know, guys in our generation and you know, guys from, you know, uh you know, even you know, earlier generations and probably I mean, it's a constant thing with fathers and sons because we're we don't know you know, what is it, what is it to be a man in this world? But that's, that's our, our primary example is that relationship between father and son. And this is that moment and it's going to, you know, it pays off even bigger later on in the climax of the film, but like, this is that emotional turning point. And every time listening to him deliver that speech just really, really moves me. Um, and I'll shut up now cuz I could go on for a while. No, about no, you're
1: that, right. But, it's yeah. but it's also like this is emotionally propulsive. Mm-hmm. Right? This is this is the like the thing that pushes us into the the third act of the movie. Exactly. And we get and you know perfectly timed with him leaving and him feeling that venom punch kind of come up and burst free. Um, What's Up Danger starts kicking in that, that song that's just mm-hmm. you know that thumping it's like okay here we go here we fucking go and we have this nice montage this intercutting of Miles going back to Aunt May to retrieve a suit a Spider-Man suit him making that suit his own by you know, changing the color scheme and on that it she's down there waiting for black.
0: him is so so good she's like what took you so long i <laughs> like it's it's one of those right. impossible film moments because like You know, in real life, May's not going to just be sitting there in the chair for like, you know, six hours. Like, is this kid ever going to show up? But it's such a great cinematic moment. And like, and that line has, you know, double meaning. What took you so long? Like, why didn't you believe in yourself sooner? But now you're here. Let's get you ready.
1: Right in reality, of course, he would not spend the time to spray paint a suit when, like <laughs> the <that> universe too. <laughs> is on the line, you know, um, you know. But he's got to look cool, yeah. Um, and it's I, yeah, you know, and, it uh, makes it his uh, own
0: because he's it's, he's graffitiing his costume basically, like
1: right. And we get that iconic shot. It's amazing that shot is it's like you know a fraction of a second, but him upside down or the city upside down mm-hmm. as he's falling and you know learning you know his web sling, slinging. Um, It's that inverted world is, you know, so awesome. Um, And we get him, you know, finally he's swinging competently. He's zipping throughout the city. It's, you know, there's so many superhero movies that have that moment of like that first flight. Um, And despite having seen it, that some version of that so many times, um, this is really earned. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really It's coming off that emotional moment with his father. You've got this, you know, just banger of a song kind of, you know, providing this heartbeat behind it. And it's also fairly late in the movie. This yeah. whole movie has been about, you know, when is this kid, as we said, when he goes to school for the first time, when is this kid going to realize he deserves to be here? It's it's on him to finally make that connection and believe in himself. And so to kind of have that finally pay off here, um, it's and just, it, you just want to stand up and cheer.
0: Yeah and the number of times i think throughout that the kind of sight gag of his hand getting stuck two things and like uh, and he, he has to he's only able to really release it you know every once in a while mostly he pulls away and the thing is still stuck there you know whether it's gwen's hair or you know like plaster or you know rock or whatever the, the case may be and this as he pulls away like the glass shatters behind him and this thing that's been this kind of like source of almost buffoonery throughout the whole movie is now this like he's breaking through he's you know like it's the same exact gag but it's played for such a different emotional beat and you know yeah you don't want to have again you know cinematic moment versus realistic moment you don't want to have shards of random glass showering over you know new york city uh, bystanders but here it looks really fucking cool, and it's a great visual metaphor and a great callback, and it just works on all those levels. And at that point then you're like, eh, alright, you know, so some glass can shower down. Worse things have showered down over the skies of New York. So it's let's We we can we can overlook these uh these cinematic uh devices, because they look cool and it's a visual medium. So we're going right. to tell it through visual language. And that just moment of the glass, it's so beautiful to me.
1: And I love that they, find, they kind of put a, uh, an exclamation point on the end. With Each time we've seen a new Spider-Man get introduced, we see like a comic book yeah uh, version of them like and it falls on top of, like a stack of them yeah and finally we get like miles has earned his you know you earned your badge yeah. um
0: drawn by sarah uh, Pacelli, from, his co-creator um which i thought was such a great right. again you know like it's a love letter to these people and to the creators and to the fans that you could have just farmed that out to anyone you could have had any artist do it the fact that they went and that Pacelli like was this is my character that i designed i'm gonna draw him in this new costume for the movie, that version, and it's still so perfect and so gorgeous. Pacelli's an amazing artist, but like, I thought that was just so cool. It just really showed the commitment and the love that uh, the, the filmmakers clearly have for this material.
1: Right. Um, so we get to them, uh, the, the team minus Miles <laughs> is infiltrating this party. Uh, hosted by Kingpin, some kind of fundraiser. And everybody, all the waiters, the staff is all dressed as Spider-Man, so which gives them their opportunity to infiltrate. Yes, it will be that easy. <laughs> say. Um, and we get this really funny scene of Peter uh trying to make amends with MJ, even though he, you know, he has to know this is not his MJ, who she's never met him. You know, she has no history with him at all. Um, but he's still trying to get all this stuff off of his chest and still trying to play the improv game of making it make sense. So yeah, he doesn't he's get talking about bread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, very funny. It was um, like
0: there's one and this like stuck out in the back of my brain and like and it's kind of smoothed over in time. But, you know, and I get that, you know, Peter and MJ's relationship is much more iconic but like the fact that they play this beat uh at this moment between peter and mj uh clearly not you know like you said not his mj but you know he's got to have this emotional closure like we set up very early on in uh gwen's backstory that her big loss was her peter and like i really would have loved to have seen like a scene between her and and this peter of like and you know, and we never get any mention of like of the Gwen Stacy in in this universe or the Gwen Stacy from Peter B. Parker's universe and what happened because you know, as comics fans know, it's not great. Uh, what or as viewers of Amazing Spider-Man two know, it's not a great fate uh, of what happens uh, to Gwen, and it's you know one of the big driving forces for Peter in the comics, and I think just like a little and like the movie moves along it's such a great clip i know that you don't want to stop you know too often to just have characters kind of but like i would have loved to have seen just like a little acknowledgement of like peter seeing that this gwen survived and you know has lived a good life and is an amazing hero and maybe even a better spider-man than he is and for gwen to look and see like you know you know hey Like, Peter, you know, is doing well, too, and, you know, has, you know, great potential. And maybe he's gone a little off course, but maybe I can bring him back into the fold. And we get that a little bit here, but we don't get, like, the emotional resonance because she never addresses him in that same way of, she's just kind of like, oh, you're this strange old dude that I know. But I'm like, no, this is like, you know, a grown-up version of your teenage best friend who you lost and couldn't save. He was your big loss. And I would have loved to have seen it. It's like the one little flaw in the movie in my head. And it's not even a flaw with the film. I just think it would have made the movie more perfect. If there had been like a little like three to five line exchange between them. Just acknowledging that relationship and their history with their own respective Peter and Gwen. Um, but, you know, you can't get everything in there. And, and I understand that. But like the fact that they took the time to play this between peter and not his mj i think just really triggered for me that it's like well are we not going to get a moment like that between them okay we're not going to okay the movie's still awesome it's still great i'm still enjoying it but like it's always there in the back of my mind like i would have loved that but but i don't write movies and i'm not a professional screenwriter so they probably know more than me
1: uh well i guess you'll have to take it up with phil lord
0: I suppose I will <laughs>
1: let him know. Yeah, write him a strongly worded letter, uh,
0: dear sir. Um, uh, I would like a no prize for noting the previously noted flaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so the team, uh, go, you know, infiltrates. They they see that they're turning on the uh, the collider, um, and uh, basically all hell breaks loose. We get everybody fighting everybody. Oh yeah, um,
0: good old brawl. This is uh,
1: you know just. Good old frenzied brawl. Uh, funny that we see some of the more weird Spider-Men doing their shtick. So, like, Spider-Noir, like, punches somebody. Instead of, like, Biff or Bam, it's, like, pancakes or something. It's, uh, like,
0: applesauce was background. one of them.
1: <laughs> applesauce. That's what it, that's what it is. It's Total bogey
0: reference. I loved it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We get that. We get uh, uh, Penny doing some anime kind of moves, like, the mm-hmm. way she's animated. It's very, like, Dragon ball um and then we get um spider ham uh again dropping an anvil on a guy you know using an anvil that he I think he says you know he'll later say it'll fit in your pocket yeah and oh the, had, yeah the, uh, the mallet
0: is the one he's like here keep this mallet yeah. it'll fit in your pocket and it's like it's a yeah but yeah the anvil it's falling on scorpion yeah after we suffer the film's one true loss uh the loss of spdr to scorpion yeah um penny's fine the psychic spider inside the robot is fine but the robot dies and it's sad yeah
1: (laughs) and without that robot she's not much use
0: no Um, i mean you know she she made the she she made the goober so you know she 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 already served her purpose have a little bit of a fight between her and the other mech villain and then he gets an anvil and gets you know knocked out and
1: yeah, I'm, I think it's a little bit of a bummer that uh, Doc Ock gets taken out just by a random-ass truck flying through space. Yeah. Convenient just to get rid of her. I think, it. yeah, it it's one of those ones, things, like, yeah.
0: it, you needed three... It, she was established as such a great threat that you needed three Spider-Men just to fight her to, a, a, like, a standstill, and then it's got to be a random, you know, truck. But my one hope is that that means... That, you know, she's still out there. Because we don't lives. see what happens to her. We don't see her get arrested. We don't see her get webbed up or, you know, killed off or anything. She just gets hit by the truck and then we don't see her again. So, hopefully, we get more of her in 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 one of the sequels. Because I think they're they're doing a second Miles movie and they've been talking about doing a Spider-Gwen spinoff as well. So, hopefully, she shows up in one of those. Because, right. yeah, it's very, you know... Ah, she's so great. And yeah, I did think that was a bit of a disservice. I do agree with that.
1: Yeah. Um so the robot dies. Um uh, we, we have our all is lost moment, but then Miles, of course, swings on in invisibly at first to uh wreck some shop. Mm-hmm. Um and the the portal is open, Miles got has the goober inserted where it's supposed to go. And now we're getting our goodbyes as everyone is sent back to their respective universe. First Penny, uh, then Noir, and he says, I'm taking this cube. He takes the Rubik's Cube with him. Um, And and he says, uh,
0: I love you guys to everyone. You know, he's been so emotionally closed mm up. Like, as far as character arcs go for, you know, comic relief characters who maybe get under a dozen lines in the film, I think that paid off pretty well. (laughs) Of just like, I'm taking this and I love you. Bye.
1: (laughs) right uh and then we get uh of course uh spider ham saying that's all folks which is sort of like uh, would be a, a little bit of a groaner except that i love that so i think peter pipes in with can he legally say that yeah can he legally say is, that? Super is he meta. allowed to say that? yeah yeah super meta very so funny good. <laughs> um and then he hands off the mallet, which I wish the mallet paid off. I wish that, you know, Miles found a way to use that cartoon mallet. Yeah. If he um, pulled it out of his pocket he, and that's
0: what he like. But I guess he needed to use the venom blast. And you didn't want to have a cartoony moment it, against Kingpin. But
1: yeah. it, It's a little too late for, uh, you know, a checkoff gun to be delivered to him right. here. It needs to be something from earlier in the film. Um, but yeah, so they all leave. And then, you know, Peter doesn't want to Gwen leaves. Peter doesn't want to go and Miles basically you know, says his own words back to him and says, you got to take that, you know, because we can see Peter doesn't want to go back to his, he kind of wants to die. Right? Yeah. He's in that mode. He's willing to, he's been talking about it for a while now in the movie saying, I'll, I'll take the. Yeah.
0: Let I'm me like, go out as here. a hero. Just, like, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. In his mind, that's the redemption arc. And it's the, you know, right. what's and, the, uh, the Washington line from, uh, from Hamilton, you know, dying is easy young men living is harder. Like, you know, right. the really heroic thing is go home and build your life. And the way Shemig Moore delivers that to him is like, you got to go home, man. <laughs> like, what are you doing? No, yeah. you just like, go home, build your life. Like, it's so beautiful. And it's
1: also a leap of faith, not only for, mm. for uh, Peter to go and fix his life. It's a leap of faith in Miles to say like, all right, we're leave- you're going to be behind. You got to st- stop all of our universes from being destroyed on your own. We're handing it off to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now we get this fight with Kingpin in this like, you know, abstract space within the collider, where like we're seeing versions of uh, Vanessa and his uh, Fisk's son, um, and uh, we can see that Jeff is watching this from like the control booth. He's able to see some of it, and he's like, you know, chi- you know, kind of, chi- he doesn't know it's his son, but he's cheering, you know, get up, Spider Man, you can do, it, you because know, Kingpin is beating him the hell down. Yeah, and, oh, and that—that's for the second time that that's
0: what drives Van- like all these multiversal Vanessa um, and uh, totally blanking on his son's name, um, but <laughs> the would-be Rose uh, from the comics, um, Prin- but, Prince Pen. Yeah, um, but that like they see him like beating up on Spider-Man, and that he loses them for the second time, not through intervention, not through like you know, oh, we shut the device down or anything. They turn away from him again. Which was how he lost them the first time. That they were running away from him when they got uh, hit by that truck. Because
1: they found out what he really was.
0: Yeah. And that that happens again. And that that's what really breaks him. Is that he wasn't defeated by the heroes. He wasn't defeated by like some you know random circumstance. He really has to own now. I will always be the thing that drives them away. And that he can't. So he's got to take it out on Miles. And like and just... Can't accept the monster that he is, and so has almost becomes more of that monster to compensate.
1: Yeah, and he delivers this epic beatdown on oh, yeah. on Miles that, and we've and we saw, you know, he's strong enough to take out the original Peter Parker. He, you know, yeah. This is no joke. Um, but you know, he you know he pushes himself to get back to his feet. He stands up, and he delivers uh, a. Game winning, (laughs) hey, by (laughs) venom punching uh, Kingpin and then swinging him on his webs into the button that will shut off uh, the machine and save the universe. Um, It is not the history eraser button. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So so, uh, um, Miles uh, calls his dad. Uh, as Miles, he then visits him yeah, as Spider-Man and does the ridiculous, like, I'm going to talk in a super low voice to hide the fact that I'm This is what
0: men sound like. I'm a grown man. Hello, fellow grown man.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, and then he hugs him and says, I love you, which yeah. is great. Um,
0: Wait, and I what? I think we have to know... <laughs>
1: and again I think we, he has to know on some level they never explicitly state it but it seems like they definitely want to give you that idea that Jeff knows on, that it's his son
0: yeah I wouldn't be surprised uh, if that like you know they've definitely kind of dropped enough hints and like just that and the fact that it is you know like him that the, the get up Spider-Man in that moment that it's like realizing it's, a, it's an easy thing to believe in your son I think, like, the really moving thing uh, to Miles is that he doesn't even know that I'm Miles at this point when he's saying, you know, get up from that control room. That, like, this man who hates Spider-Man, who has railed against Spider-Man, who doesn't care for vigilantes at all, is there saying, get up, Spider-Man. That he's, like, you know, yeah, 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 my dad believes in me, I'm his son, he has to love me kind of thing. But, like, I've converted him as Spider-Man into, like... I think like that's so meaningful in like a really weird like inverted way uh that pays off so well there that like I'm kind I would be okay if like Jefferson doesn't know but I also think it's it may well be one of those things like he knows but he's going to like convince himself that he doesn't know like you know it's like, no oh, no Miles is off playing with his friends and uh you know Miles wears glasses. Spider-Man clearly doesn't wear glasses. So, so they yeah, can't be right. the same.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a great resolution to their mm-hmm. their arc. 100%.
0: Uh, and
1: we get M- Miles now. So, oh, and we get that nice shot of Kingpin with the uh, the friendly neighborhood uh, Spider-Man note on him. Again, saying Utterly he's iconic. arrived, right? Yeah. He's Spider-Man now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Owns it fully. Um,
1: So we hear, let's do this one last time. And now it's Miles giving his little spiel uh, like we had with all the other characters. And he says, you know, hey, anyone can wear the mask. You can wear the mask. Uh, And after this, you know, again, winning montage of him swinging around the city as Spider Man and like giving thumbs up to people and stuff, he's a hero. uh, He lays back in bed. Sunflower is playing. He's in his happy place. uh, And then. Uh, we can see a portal opens up above him and we hear Gwen's voice asking if uh he can help. Yeah. Uh, and then uh credits uh followed by uh, a very weird post credit scene. Um, I, love where this I can't tell if like, they want... Yeah, it's like half set up, half just ridiculous joke.
0: Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: And we get one last Marvel double duty person. We get Oster, Oscar Triple Isaacs, duty now. Uh, at,
0: Another triple duty. Triple.
1: Oh, oh, that's right. Triple because yeah. he's been Apocalypse. Yeah,
0: and he's going, and to, he's be going to be Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, as Spider-Man 2099, uh, we find out he's got a device that will allow him to jump universes without maybe ripping a hole in them. Yeah. Uh, and then he winds up in the 66 cartoon.
0: Yes. <laughs> which is <laughs> Earth. Which is Earth 67. 67. Which I think is just right. so wonderfully perfect. And then we get And it's just a gif waiting to happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a gif of them pointing at each other. Yeah. And then I think Stanley is Stanley is the voice of one of the onlookers. He might be Jameson. Oh,
0: is he Jameson? Actually. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. Jameson was kind yeah. of designed it, that was sort of his self deprecating like dig at himself uh and his persona um that he and Ditko yeah. kinda developed, so uh that that would be perfect uh in my mind um,
1: and that is uh that is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse Jordan um, do you have any um closing thoughts on this before we uh, kind of wrap things up um not
0: really i think uh, i th- <laughs> i think i've said my share on any number of topics uh here <laughs> and uh as i'm want to do um heads up to our listeners for uh, all future installments I'm a verbose bastard um so um it's a
1: good quality to podcaster it's
0: yeah uh it, it it comes in handy I'm never at at a shortage of things to say uh but man this is such like i've said uh it's such a love letter uh to the character to the creators to the fans across all media to the comics uh the cartoons the um And, like, all the inside jokes, the fact that we got this at the end and that we got, like, a little, like, winking reference to the kind of Spider-Man behind the desk uh, meme when uh, they're stealing the computer from Liv's lab that, like, it's framed up almost exactly when he's sitting there kind of watching Miles uh, Invisible. It's like, he's just, like, framed up perfectly, like that meme of Spider-Man from the 67 cartoon, like... It's that amount of attention to love and detail. And it's a lot of what I think a lot of people uh, who really loved uh, like uh, the Lego Batman movie um, were talking about that level of detail and love and affection. I didn't love that movie. Um, but when I saw this one, I was just like, yeah, I get it. That's, that's what they were talking about. That's what resonated with them. Cause this across the board as a Spider-Man fan it just, it, it, and it, it never ceases to amaze me. Every time I watch it, I get something new and something to appreciate. Um, as an animation fan, as a voice acting fan, as a Spider-Man fan, I love this movie wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, I, I thought this would be a good one for us to start this venture on um, because of it's got so much going for it. Mm-hmm. It's got... You know, you've got all these different spider man all these classic villains, but the whole movie is just joyous. Yeah. Like, everything about it is, like, it's it's whimsical, it's action-packed, it's emotional, it's everything you want from a comic book movie, but done so well. Um, none, none of the beats are false. There's everything in it rings true, even when it's veering from the ridiculous, you know, in like, you've got literally a cartoon pig <laughs> to, you know, these... These scenes of like real like family drama. It, yeah. all, it all works. Um, so um, just to kind of do a little admin stuff here. So what we're going to be doing with this podcast, there's obviously a lot of Marvel movies and different franchises. Um, we will be jumping franchise to franchise here and there um, as we cover all these things. Um, within a franchise, we'll be moving in order because um, we figured it would be weird to do that out of order. But we won't do all of those films back to back to back to back. Uh, just to, for variety's sake, um, so but we are going to uh, break the glass on uh, the MCU and start with Iron Man next. Yay. Uh, after that, woohoo! Uh, <laughs> with a uh, a little known actor named Robert Downey Jr. I think he's got a future uh, ahead of him. So that yeah. So that is uh, that is your homework for for next week. Um, if you have things to say, please, uh, of course, like, rate, subscribe, go to iTunes, and drop us a review. Uh, you can communicate with us via our, our uh, Twitter handle, which is at GoToTheMarvels, uh, so find us there if you have something to, to say or add, and um, that's really it, uh, and so um, I don't have a sign-off yet. We haven't thought of one, but uh, uh, is there I th- Spider-Man uh, sign-off?
0: Uh, Doug, come on. It's a, it's a, It's a Marvel movie podcast. What else can we say but... Excelsior! Enough said. Nuff said. Good. Oh, oh man, Excelsior. I guess we can't. Damn you, Stan! Why do you have to have so many catchphrases? Yeah.
1: Enough
0: Excelsior! No, Is there a no way we comics, can yeah. mash them up, or <laughs> how about I'll uh, say Excelsior, you say Nuff said, and that'll we'll have a little one-two call right. and response thing. All
1: right. There you go. Go for
0: it. All right. Excelsior. Nuff said.
1: I'm. Um,
0: going to miss him. Yeah, we were friends, you know. Can I return it if it doesn't fit? It always fits. Eventually. I got the portal open. You first, Penny. Thank you, Miles. From both of us.
1: I, uh, love you. Oh,
0: I'm taking this cube thing with me. I don't understand it, but I will. I want you to have this. It'll fit in your pocket.
1: That's all, folks. Is he allowed to say that legally?